This is the Oanda Podcast. Brought to you by Jazz FM's Business Breakfast. Welcome back to the Oanda Market Insights Podcast. Each week, we review all the business and market stories with Oanda Senior Market Analyst, Craig Earlham. And it's welcome back to Craig. How are you doing? I'm very good, mate. Very good. How are you? Surviving. Surviving. I mean, it's we say this every week. It's Friday, so I'm thriving. I'd even go as far to say. Well, when I say surviving, I'm I'm talking about you know what Brexit, of course, <laughs> because um, last time we spoke, this time last week, we didn't know what was going to happen, but of course, progress seemingly has been made. Well, I mean, it depends what you define as progress. It's been quite a remarkable week, actually, um, in in that. Uh, we've had the Speaker having to cast a decisive vote uh, on a motion put to Parliament, which actually effectively killed it. Uh, we've had a vote, uh, a bill that's been rushed through Parliament in a day, which is very unusual uh, in order to try and stop a no-deal Brexit. We've had the leader of the opposition engage in talks with the leader of the Conservative Party. Um, in I order think that's to try the most remarkable thing, though, about it, really, isn't it? When you consider their politics and Jeremy Corbyn's, um, you know, what some people would regard as Marxist uh, mm. politics, his team around him, and then with Theresa May, the people who have forced her into this situation are the right of the Conservative Party. And, uh, you know, they're strange bedfellows, aren't they? It's quite extraordinary because we've almost heard murmurs that they're willing to engage in talks with each other before, but some these talks have never really happened. We had Jamie Corbyn walking away when he saw Chucker Amuna in the room, uh, and therefore didn't even the conversation didn't even begin. There was another obviously there was the there, there was the uh, the tests that Theresa May had to pass in order to engage in talks, and they, they were they were clearly never going to happen. One of them was you know, to rule out no deal. She was never going to do that. So these talks have always. Uh, fallen at the first hurdle before uh, and then there's the cynic in you that says do these both these sides really want to engage in talks at this point because let's look at the ultimate end goal Theresa May wants her deal to get over the line Jeremy Corbyn wants an election so what what does both sides have from actually engaging in honest open talks apart from a prevent a no deal that isn't going to happen so they've both for- got something to gain and lose from each other don't you think and they, Jeremy Corbyn looks prime ministerial. He doesn't want to be an, the leader of the obstructive party in Brexit that takes us towards a no deal or a long extension that uh, frustrates and annoys and angers the public. Um, so he wants to be seen to be taking this very, uh, very seriously. And then when when it all falls apart, and I still expect these talks to fall apart, I don't expect to find a deal that gets through Parliament together. And uh, when they fall apart, then again, you can go back to finger pointing and saying it was them not ben- not not negotiating enough, not uh, allowing us to engage in a customs union discussion, for example, that made these talks fall apart. Theresa May can take the very much the same approach. She can say, I opened my door to the opposition. I tried to engage in talks, but they were unreasonable in what they were saying. They wanted to deliver something that wasn't Brexit. So it's almost like both sides have a lot to gain by engaging without having any real intention of it actually going somewhere. But the difference is it's now gone on for three days and it's still going on. That's the part that surprised me. I expected them to have broken down already. There's the other plus for Theresa May is that if a deal is struck between the two parties, further down the line, she can't take all the blame if it all goes wrong, once we're out of the EU or we're staying in the EU, it'll be Jeremy's fault as much as hers, perhaps. Well, up, up until now, I think the Labour Party very much wanted the Conservatives to own Brexit. Exactly. They've wanted yeah. an election, but they wanted them to own it because if it does go wrong, then this is it's almost an easy in when you get that election. You say they, it's an open they, goal, they, isn't it? they brought yeah. Brexit to this country 
and they failed to deliver what they promised. So th I think this has very much been a tactic all along. But I think equally, Theresa May has wanted the Conservatives to own Brexit because yes. she also knows that it is a Conservative-led um, issue uh, and she wanted to keep it within the Conservative Party so that if they make a success of it, again, it's, uh, it's, it's her legacy ultimately. So it kind of, again, it was conveniently worked out so that, um, so that this kind of played out as it is. So you've got to wonder again, what is the motive of these talks? And I still believe, and I know many people have now given up on Theresa May's, Theresa May's deal passing through Parliament, but I think Theresa May is looking at these talks as A, she looks as though she's engaging with the other side finally, so she looks as though she's not just constantly pursuing her own deal, another vote, another vote, another vote, until, we, until it finally maybe passes by one uh, vote in Parliament. But equally, she's sending a message to the hardline Brexiteers who have not yet backed her deal that says, you are passing up my deal for a softer Brexit. A softer Brexit that maybe involves a customs union because I'm forced now to negotiate with the other side and that means a softer Brexit. Doesn't it also make it easier negotiating perhaps a, a different deal with the EU because she's brought another party in, a party who have had their own mini negotiations off the record uh, with the EU and that means that they are going to be more open to dealing a new Brexit version of what she had before. But it's not going to be a different withdrawal agreement, which again brings us back to the point of what is it the Parliament is so strongly opposed to? Because I still really do struggle to see what is constantly being voted down. Yes, some want a customs union, some want Norway 2.0, whatever, plus plus all of this. But ultimately... This is part of the next part of these trade negotiations. It's not part of the withdrawal. So again, I'm tr I'm really trying to gauge who wants to gain the what out of this. The backstop was part of with the, the withdrawal agreement. Yes, and that's not going to be rene renegotiated no matter how long these talks go on. Um, so uh, the only thing that's going to be renegotiated is this future agreement, the the legal document that sits alongside the withdrawal agreement. So is the backstop dead now? The backstop, the backstop's alive and well. The backstop's not going anywhere. The only way that you don't have a backstop fundamentally is if we leave with no deal. Um, I, I don't see the the EU backing down over that. Um, so we are again, we're back in a situation, and, and and that's this is the other thing. Is Theresa May really going to agree with something with the Labour Party and take that to Brussels, knowing that she's losing the backing of many members of her own party? I think it's too late that for that, Craig. I mean, the, potentially I think that that bird has flown. The hardline Brexiteers had their opportunity, but had such a high opinion of their uh, own abilities that they've actually blown it. And I think some of them actually truly believe they could get the unicorn Brexit. Um, they, they still believe that it's Theresa May that's made a hash of this, rather than they've come in with unrealistic expectations. And what's, that's why some of them are now branching towards no deal, because they're, they're, they're saying, they're, they're else saying them, to hell they? with the economic yeah. consequences of it, to hell with the what, 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 we, what we have to deal with, because... I want my Brexit, and I wanted this, and this is what I, this is all I almost care about at the moment. But that's what Brexit's almost done to so many people. It's it, it, the rationale in many cases, I think, has just disappeared. I suppose and the question is after digging after, your heels in. If if I mean, you seem to be quite cynical about a deal being found, but supposing there is a deal, mm -hmm. at least part one, and then we get to part two and negotiations uh, begin. Both parties involved in those negotiations as well. That might buy Theresa May a bit more time because what could happen in the interim is if the right of the Conservative Party are so upset the way things have gone and decide to try and bring down their own government, then we could have an election. Exactly. Uh, and, and again, but who does that benefit? People keep talking about a new election now like it will be the problem solver. It wasn't the problem solver last time. We didn't get a majority government. 
And if we have another election, we've got a new party that's also going to take some votes in this, which is going to make finding a majority that much harder. But those hard right, uh, those 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 ultra right guys from the Conservative Party, I'm not sure they really care. It's it's almost like a cult. It's Brexit has become the most important thing. Mm. Nothing supersedes Brexit, and this is. This is again the problem. This is this again the problem with the politics of all of this, and this is again what's left people so frustrated. But again, the politics is still being played. Donald Tusk came out and suggested that we could have, and I already hate this term, but I'm going to use it: a flex extension, um, <laughs> a flexible yeah. twelve-month extension uh, to Article 50, which will enable us to work towards the deal. But what it means is you've got a much longer deadline, and if at any point we come to an agreement with the EU that passes through Parliament, then we can leave immediately. That seems a very reasonable request. That seems a very reasonable offer. So what did Theresa May do? Just for an extension till the end of June, two mm. days before the new parliament sits. It's the politics is still constantly being played because you're constantly putting one person against the other, pushing the blame to someone else, pushing it away from me. We need some actual progress, and and I'm still very much of the opinion that Theresa May's deal is coming back to Parliament at some point for a vote, and it will be very interesting to see how that goes because I still see. I, 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 I'm I getting to a point now where Parliament looks so incompetent that I'm thinking that a second referendum is almost inevitable in many ways because if Parliament can't make a decision, it's not a choice to have a second referendum. It's do we want this to last two more years and still make no, 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 no headway or do we want this to end now, at which point if they can't make a decision, someone else has to. And I don't think no deal is an option. I just I genuinely don't because MPs are against it. And fundamentally, and I'm sorry to no deal Brexiteers out there, it's a stupid idea. So I I, I just don't see that as being an actual uh, option on the table. So therefore, it almost looks like that's more, uh, that, 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 that that's the most logical option on the table right now. However, I still think, and this may this may seem ridiculous at this point, I still think Theresa May's deal gets through because I think that this is a tactic on her part to put pressure on the hardline Brexiteers to get her to back the deal. And if the deal comes back to a vote one more time in Parliament, both the withdrawal component and the future agreement component, I'm not sure as many of them vote against it because they will now view this. And this is what I've said all along. You can't agree. You can't believe every the way people are voting throughout this process because they know they've got one more chance. Theresa May's deal comes back to Parliament for another vote. This is the last chance. And this is where you start to see people's real views on it. What about markets? Looking at the pound at the moment, I mean, it has more or less been steady in terms of 116 to 117 against the euro for quite some time now. Yeah, I mean, really, it's 130, 133 against the dollar uh, over the longer term. Yes, 130 to 132 maybe over the last uh, few weeks, but in yeah. even over the last month or two, it's 130, 133. We've never really broken out this range. We've headed back to the top end of the range on optimism. We've headed back to the bottom of the range when it real when we realise we're getting an extension. And it almost feels like we're in a situation right now where the only thing that may take it through 130 and obviously there's there's obviously always other things but the only brexit related issue i can see that takes it through 130 is moving towards closer towards no deal day yeah and we start to realize that legislation hasn't passed through the house of lords uh, and the eu has decided that france france has decided for example to veto an extension and then all of a sudden Brexit by accident, uh, no deal by accident starts to become a higher possibility. Something like that I think could take it through 130. Through 133, I feel like we've got to see progress. And then you've got the thing that kind of keeps it in the near term through that 130, 133 levels, and that's the extension. Because it's got its good and it's got its bad parts. The good part is we could end up with a softer Brexit. We could end up with no Brexit at all. And I'm not talking about the political here, the politics here. From a purely market and economic perspective, no Brexit is still the best outcome. Um, 
But then the flip side to that is you've got 12 more months, for example, of economic uncertainty. And we've seen what that's done to a business investment. We've seen what that's done to the, uh, the economic growth in the country. We've seen what it's done to consumer spending over the last number of months. And you're prolonging that. So you've got a good parts and a bad parts. So that's kind of where uh, I see things moving right now. But I mean, there's other factors that are going to take are going to feed into this as well there is going to be the uk economic data are we in a slowdown right now there's going to be us matters as well because obviously this is a two-sided thing and your, your, your currency is always weighed up against another but if you look at many most sterling charts right now they're all range bound and they're all range bound for a reason talking of the united states uh, we should reflect on the latest non-farm payrolls and they rose by 196,000 in march uh, jobless rate holding steady at 3.8% and data for February was revised up to show payrolls rising by 33,000 instead of the previously reported 20,000. So uh, a better month for Donald Trump? Yeah, not exactly a knockout revision that uh, maybe we no. were hoping for. But yeah, that 196, that was that was ahead of market expectations of 175 to 180. So when you uh, you accumulate the additional jobs there, then it does start to make it look a lot a bit nicer. Again, we've got to remember that it, you, there's no point looking at one month individually because 196 looks good, the 33 looks terrible. You've got to look at a kind of moving average of all of these. And really, we are still seeing job growth there um, towards between 150,000 and 200,000. And when you're doing that at a time when unemployment is at 3.8%, that's quite remarkable. The other thing as well, which people pay a lot more attention to now maybe than the non-farm payrolls, they've kind of come back into vogue really because of the government shutdown. But what people generally pay more attention to is the wage growth component because that gives you an indication of real tightness in the labour market, of inflation pressures in the uh, in the economy, and therefore what the Fed's going to do. And that slipped from 34 to 3.2%. Not a bad figure by any stretch of the imagination, not a knockout number, but it's a relatively strong figure and suggests that the economy is still performing relatively well, despite all these global growth fears, despite the, the trade war which they are uh, engaged in with China, which is hopefully being, uh, it seems, being resolved. I'd say this if you're asking me what's my thoughts on this jobs report, I'm saying this is a report that represents a very, very healthy economy. We've also heard from President Trump regarding the trade talks with China, and he says that the United States has found agreement on some of the toughest points in those talks. He said a deal could come in the next four weeks, but there are some sticking points, aren't there? Yeah, the deal could come in the next four weeks, or it could not come at all. He's very—he's he, still very much. He's wants playing to, us, is he? He's, yeah, I mean, I still—I think he's quite confident. But I mean, all we've—what we've heard this week uh, from certain representatives is that we're ninety percent of the way there, but the last ten percent is the hardest. That's surely the case with every single negotiation. You what, save Brexit. The, yeah, you say you say ninety percent. I mean, you save the hardest talks to last, right? I mean, mm. you, you, you decide, right, what's the quick wins here? How can we get this agreed, this agreed, this agreed? And then we'll save these tough, sticky negotiations till the end. And with regards to the US and China, this seems to be um, how it's enacted. So when are tariffs removed? When are they reimposed? Uh, what do we decide? What? How do we decide um, what, 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 what compliance is and how do we measure it? Um, and it? And it seems that this, this is still... A sticking point. Uh, we've also, I've also read somewhere this week that um, part of the issue is that the obviously the translation. Um, you've got a Chinese document, you've got a, an, an English document. Do they? I mean, when, when you've got, we've got to remember. You could say they'll do these translations. Well, we surely could work that out pretty quickly. But when you're talking about a legal document, where it's a single word can change the meaning of this in a court of law, and you've got two different courts of laws here, who's the arbiter? You, when you're looking at all this, the tiniest detail matters. So uh, they, I think there's very much uh, a lot of uh, a very well-paid legal uh, people looking over these documents to ensure that every 
I is dotted, every T is crossed. So that takes time as well. So this is likely to rumble on for a few more weeks. Don't even be surprised if it rumbles on longer. Again, from a market's perspective, though, it doesn't really matter how long it takes. As long as we're not talking about talk, hearing about talks breaking down, this is a positive step towards alleviating uh, trade issues at a time when the global economy is already slowing down, when the Chinese economy has slowed down. We've already seen, hopefully, the impacts of these talks going well on things like the PMI data that we had from China this week. Services PMI was very strong. The manufacturing PMIs, uh, both the official and the market and, and the, um, the 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 other manufacturing PMI, uh, the Kaijin manufacturing PMI came out in growth territory again, having been in contraction. The Kaijin representing small and medium sized businesses more. The point of this is. We're seeing a bit of benefit from a sentiment perspective, and that can have real economic impact. So if we can avert a trade war and we can start seeing tariffs being removed, this is a a, a key barrier for the global economy this year being uh, being resolved. What about earnings that are coming up over the next uh, few days? What uh, highlights are there for you? Yeah, so, I mean, we've got US earnings, which is starting at the back end of last next week. So, they, I mean... I, I, I said, uh, the ultimately, this means we've got something more interesting to talk about than Brexit, arguably, um, in, in the weeks ahead. It feels like right now, every week... I think you love is, talking about Brexit. I do love talking about Brexit, but I, 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 I'm it's ready for It's aged you five years, but never mind. Yeah, um, it, but it means that we've got something else to talk about, because it feels like at the moment, everything is Brexit-dominated. Uh, every week is Brexit-dominated. Next week would be no different, because there's actually not a huge amount on. So next week would be no different if we didn't have earnings season uh, getting underway so we always start with the banks as the likes of jp morgan wells fargo reporting at the back end of next week so i think that's going to be very interesting uh, we've also got some earnings reports as well coming from uh results and statements coming from uh, some european and co uh, companies so things like asos I think this is going to be quite interesting because we saw the profit warning towards the back end of last year and that caught people off guard and sent the share price tumbling because it was like, well, hold on, this is an online retailer. They're meant to be doing fine. It's meant to be the high street that's doing poorly. Um, uh, and so, they, they, so, so ASOS results, I think, are going to be very interesting. Tesco, obviously, we've got the... Um, the, the 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 constant battle going on between Tesco and the other uh, the other uh, shopping uh, the re the other retailers there the Asda's the Sainsbury's of this world the price wars going on because of Aldi uh, and Lidl again this is a, another update which is going to be interesting um, to keep an eye on but like I say and then you got the US as well um, we've also got the ECB uh, interest rate uh, decision next week as well probably no surprises given what happened previously but always an event worth watching so it's not gonna be a boring week by any any stretch of the imagination it'll be good to have something new to talk about but don't get me wrong one week from today we're leaving with no deal so next week is going to be very brexit dominated <laughs> I'm not sure how optimistic or pessimistic you've left us uh, feel. I'm feeling good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Craig Allen, thanks very much indeed. Thank you. From the team behind Jazz FM's Business Breakfast, a daily early morning 30-minute briefing for the day ahead. On air from 6am. Listen to Jazz FM on DAB, online or just ask Alexa.